Wilson looking to drive, blows by his man. Right hand layup, good! And Adams! Here's a lob, there's the slam! Brady Dick on the throwdown! Welcome to another edition of the Jayhawker Podcast. I am Greg Gurley along with Wayne Simeon, our special guest, Kevin McCuller. The Jayhawker Podcast brought to you by the University of Kansas Health System. Let's dive right in with this guy right here. We talk a lot about the transfer portal and all the things in college athletics right now. Kansas has done a good job in the transfer portal. It hasn't been massive, but Remy Martin last year, huge piece to our success. Another huge piece, Kevin McCuller this year. Welcome to the show. I appreciate it. Appreciate y'all having me on. Talk a little background with Kevin. Uh, started your last six games at Texas Tech your freshman year, then back-to-back seasons. You had Chris Beard. You had Mark Adams. You come to us from a defensive-oriented culture, and that was Chris Beard, and the defensive coordinator was Mark Adams. Uh, talk about how – Good you are defensively. I know that's kind of a cocky statement, but you're not a if we say it. And we, <laughs> all, we all agree, it. and he, everyone knows it. Like, yeah, his body of work bad, has proven that. <laughs> but you go from one defensive coach to another. Bill Self gets a guy that he doesn't have to worry about because you know how to play hard 100% of the time. You know, you know, he talked the other night about Kevin McCullough. I didn't think I'd have another guy like Kevin since Marcus Garrett, but you're that guy. Talk about why – why defense is so important to you? Is it is it the coaching that you had at Tech? Is it Bill or is it just innate in you? Uh, yeah, um, the defense kind of mindset. Like growing up, I'd give a lot of credit to my dad. Um, you know, growing up, he wasn't really pushing me to like score the ball a bunch. He was telling me if you want to score the ball, you got to guard the best defender on another team too, and kind of play the play the right way. Um, and kind of uh, I give a big shout out to him. You know, growing up, pushing me and playing that way, playing the right way. And yeah, um, coming from Texas Tech. Um, over there, you got a guard to get on the floor. Um, so starting at a young age in my college career, I had to do that to just to get some minutes. So uh, kind of stuck with me. And then uh, coming here to play for Coach Self, he told me in the portal, um, when you come here, I want you to cause havoc and try to win defense player of the year. And you're certainly on that track of uh, being a considered for defensive player of the year. And thinking back to your upbringing, you gave credit to your dad. But usually when you think about tough nose, gritty, uh, defensive mindset, San Antonio, Texas usually isn't the epitome of that as people's perception, just kind of what, what, uh, what that region is like. Like, what about being from that area and obviously your dad and, uh, and his emphasis, like, helped you again to, to have that mindset? Um, yeah, you know, coming out of San Antonio, I feel like it's an under, under-recruited, you know, place in Texas. Uh, Dallas and Houston get most of the love. So uh, us guys from San Antonio, we just got to try to find our way. And, Did that put and a little try chip to, on your shoulder? Yeah, like, hey, you I'm trying it, yeah. to put them put on the map? Oh, yeah, you get a chip on your shoulder for real. Um, trying to make it out of there. Um, it's only about one guy a year that goes pretty much high major D1. So, um, you know, just had a chip on my shoulder growing up. Take us through the decision last year, so uh, before you came to Kansas. What made Kansas attractive? I know you and Jalen Wilson, best friends forever. Every, every road trip, every pregame meal, you guys are attached at the hip. That's your guy. Yeah, that's my and dog. He, that, that's your dog right there. And he's, he's, uh, he obviously was a big influence. But take us through kind of the differences between Texas Tech and here. What made you kind of think you wanted to be a part of this? Obviously, you played here multiple times as a Red Raider, and you probably looked up like, did you, 
back then, did you think, what would it be like to play here in a Kansas uniform? Or what, what really brought you to Kansas? Uh, yeah, um, you know, playing here back when I was at Texas Tech, um, it was a crazy environment. Um, I never could have seen myself even playing here uh, once I was at Tech. And uh, once I went through the, the process and stuff and figured out it was going to be the best move for me after getting feedback to, you know, go somewhere else. And when I got in the portal, uh, the first day I got in, Coach Self was the first head coach to pick up the phone and call me. Um, and just how genuine he was and the relationship he ended up building with me and my family um, just pretty much showed a lot about his character. Well, as former players and a current player, you know how the recruiting process works. So what you heard from Bill on that first phone call compared to what you got. Uh, that was the same thing. Same thing. <laughs> no, yeah. And that was going to be my point because yeah. I got recruited by Bill. Wayne played for Bill. He's the same. Yeah, sometimes you don't get the same stuff in the recruiting process that where you go to. Uh, yeah, he's giving me the same thing, everything you said. And then you played for two great defensive coaches in Chris Beard and Mark Adams. How about some differences and similarities between Beard and Adams and then Bill Self? Um, yeah, similarities, I would say um, all three coaches I play for, they really want to win. Uh, <laughs> and they they uh, care about winning and they're really competitive. Um, and one thing I say about Coach Self, um, he doesn't really get on you too much. Um, you know, he just keeps a level head kind of. And once he trusts you, he really trusts you. So obviously you get a ton of credit for your defensive prowess, which is well-deserved. But there have been some key moments throughout the year where you've stepped up big offensively, especially when guys have labored, maybe Jalen, maybe Juan, had some big 15-point games, 18-point games. So as you're assessing the game, uh, what has to change in your mind when you say, hey, it's time for me to turn it up offensively, uh, and then also your ability to score three levels, you know, capable three-point shooter, you have a great mid-range, and then even in TCU, putting some guys in the post yep. a little bit. And so uh, what is your offensive uh, mentality when, when you see uh, it's time for you to step up in that area? Uh, yeah, mostly when I'm out there playing, I'm just letting the defense kind of, you know, dictate what I'm doing. I'm trying to get get our scores the ball. We have great scores like Jay Will and Grady, um, guys that can score at a high volume. Um, but if those guys are getting face guarded and denied and guys are playing off of me, then I got to knock down a shot or I got to get to the bucket and, and create for other guys. Uh, you know, so pretty much just assessing the defense and kind of taking what they're giving me. To kind of piggyback what Wayne said, I go back to Stillwater the other day. Uh, Jalen Wilson, Grady was had foul trouble, and yet Dewan turns his ankle. All three guys are on the bench. You're the guy. It's a five point game. You go on an individual six zero run, and that's the type of leadership that great teams have when your when your studs aren't in the game. I'm not saying you're not, but you had just said it. Jalen Wilson and Grady Dick are option one and two, but you stepped up as a senior. And just talk about your mentality when you see those guys on the bench and what you try to accomplish for this team as a leader. Uh, yeah, when uh, both of those guys went down, um, uh, Bobby was still out too with his hamstring. So I kind of uh, last year and the year before I played point guard. Um, so I just kind of went back to the point guard role, um, tried to get everybody involved and, and pretty much just took what the defense was giving me and know I had to turn it on because uh, with those guys down, um, you know, scoring's got to come from somewhere. So I kind of just had to take that role. You know, Wayne talked about maybe a chip on your shoulder as far as coming out of high school, getting recruited. But how about, do you have any kind of chip on your shoulder or does the entire team have a chip on their shoulder? You're, you're following up a national championship. You lose Oach, you lose CB, you lose DMAC, you lose Remy, Mitch Lightfoot. All right, everybody's like, eh, Kansas, they'll be okay. 
any kind of chip on your shoulder, kind of like the Kansas City Chiefs, everybody was <laughs> counting them out. Do you, yeah. do you draw any parallels to that, or, or do you avoid the noise? Um, you know, we always avoid the noise, um, try to worry about what's going on in the locker room and, you know, kind of just stay, stay in a group and stay a tight huddle. Um, but, of course, yeah, you got to have a chip on your shoulder when you're defending a national championship. You know, every night you're going to get everybody's best shot. So, um, you know, personally, with me coming here, um, I knew what I was going to be playing for every night, and this is the spotlight that I wanted to be in. So, Man, one of the things I appreciate about you the most is at game point, you've had some lockdown winning defensive plays. It's one thing for guys to want the ball in their hands so they can make the game-winning shot. But you have a handful, not unlike what we saw earlier this week, where there have been plays on the defensive side that have won the game. Like, do you thrive in that the most? Do you, do you look and, and really uh, want and desire those type of moments? Hey, when the game's on the line, I got the best guy. I'm getting the block. I'm getting the jump ball. I'm getting the tie-up uh, in order to bring this thing home. Uh, yeah, um, you know, it's, it's man versus man. Um, you know, you got to lock up and, and sit down and take the challenge. Um, you know, I live for moments like that, and uh, I've been put in that position uh, quite a bit here, so it's been great. Earlier this week in a press conference, you talked about how much you enjoy Lawrence. Like, it's the nicest community in the world. Everywhere you go, you're a star. How about the differences? And this isn't bashing on Lubbock, Texas. Lubbock's a great place. You had three great years there, but, but – Coming to the, the, the mecca of college basketball, the St. Andrews, the cathedral, all the things you want to call it, talk about your, your experiences here in your short time, how fun Lawrence is, how you're treated, and, and why this is the best place in college basketball. Um, yeah, um, you know, just to kind of make some differences, like, you know, Lawrence, um, you know, it's pretty like, just flat and, you know, kind of just – chill um, out here it's a lot greener and a lot more hills and stuff uh, the people um, you can't go nowhere without somebody knowing you um, and in Lubbock sometimes you can go somewhere and maybe nobody know you but uh, out here it's everywhere you go um, non-stop I know I've seen you at a couple of restaurants just eating yeah. with your family yeah. and stuff like that so you always seeing somebody and everybody knows you and treats you like family out here and uh, it's a great place it's, it's the best yeah, Bill does an amazing job with his staff creating a culture. And, again, this is by no means bagging on, you know, your old place, but it's just different here, right? And we say that, and you probably heard that when you were at Texas Tech. Hey, it's just different at Kansas. You're like, ah, I don't care. But, but now that you're here and you tell when, when recruits are in town like this weekend, you're going to tell them, it's just different, right? Oh, yeah. No, most definitely. It's one of a kind. Um, it's special. It's a special place. And with all the tradition, then you see all the former guys that's come back and visit and, and even practice with us. Uh, that's huge. So it's, it's, it's different for sure. Yeah, you know, you talked about uh, one of the main reasons to come here is to play with, uh, with Jay Will. Uh, how do you guys uh, not just enjoy one another, but how do you elevate each other's game? Um, yeah, um, me and Jay, well, we've been competing against each other since high school, um, since we was youngins. Um, it's kind of crazy how our paths are ending up for um, our last year of college to be here at Kansas. So uh, it's, it's like a storybook ending pretty much. Um, so, um, but yeah, every day we pushing each other. Um, I guard him. Uh, he guards me, um, you know, on the defensive and I'm trying to make his offense better. Um, you know, vice versa. Uh, we just competing every day and pushing each other. And it's nothing like going to battle with your brother every night. I don't think I'll get a breaking news answer out of this question, but you just mentioned it. This is your final year of college basketball. You do have another year, and Jalen Wilson has two more years if he wants them. What are the odds that we see you back in Allen Fieldhouse next year? 
Um, yeah, this is probably going to be my last year. So I'm going to be going through my senior speech on a Tuesday okay. against Texas Tech and stuff like that. So How about that? Yeah. Irony there. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. Your yeah. senior speech will be against Texas Tech yeah, it's crazy. On, on Tuesday night. So, uh, But, man, you've been a, you've been so – you're such a, a welcoming guy. You're easy. You're, you're, you're cordial. You're nice. Just easy. And, and I think we always talk about the coaching staff, and I, and I think – the team always takes on the persona of the coach and the coaching staff, and you're a great example of that. I mean, all of our guys, all, all of you guys have a really, really tight-knit group, and that's what Bill talked about last year, and that's the same way this year, even with a lot of new guys. Oh, yeah, yeah. Our culture is pretty strong. Everybody's tight, and uh, we always doing stuff on and off the court together. So, yeah. This is your first year at Kansas, but this isn't your first year of being foreign to – the conference race being tight at the end of February. This isn't going to be your first pursuit of a deep tournament run. And so as you see those things on the horizon, what, and this being your, your last uh, attempt at it collegially, uh, what are some things that you're thinking about uh, moving forward uh, into this conference race and then into March? Um, yeah, um, really, you know, we got a lot of new guys as well. So uh, us older guys, we kind of know what to expect, um, but kind of getting uh, getting the younger guys ready um, every day. Um, you know, right now we still got a game after uh, win or lose. You get to play another game. But here eventually uh, it's going to be win or go home. And um, those are the games that really, you know, you see what you see what you're made of and you got to leave it all on the line. So kind of getting us in that mindset right now. Um, every day we have practice. We got to embrace these practices because it's only a couple more. And then so you're just uh, you're out there playing games. As a leader, how do you convey that to Grady, Zuby, Ernest, MJ, and other guys that may not have been through it? How do you do it? Um, you know, kind of just instill confidence in them. Uh, I already told Grady he, um, and all the other freshmen, I told him, you're not no freshman no more. Uh, you done played enough Big 12 games to, to know um, right from wrong out there and, and what to do and, and how to help the team win. You got to know your role. Um, you know, you ain't a freshman no more at this point in the season. Well, you know how tough it is to play in Lubbock. Our first road game was against Texas Tech. That was a one-possession game, up by one. They had the ball. We get out of there. I think we end up winning by three. But how nice was it to have Texas Tech and West Virginia early in the season? We got we went 2-0 and on the road. Right now they're playing. I mean, we look at the records, and West Virginia and Texas Tech are near the bottom. But they're not bottom dwellers. Uh-huh. Those are good basketball teams, and you know that. But how do you convey that to the others? Like, hey, let's throw the records out the window. We got an opportunity to, to shore up the Big 12 title, but we have to defend our home court against two teams that almost looks like a trap game. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, every, every Big 12 team, top to bottom, uh, they, can, they can win on any given night. Um, was, and we're glad that we went out there and got those two dubs on the road early in the season. Um, but, yeah, they're a totally different team now. Um, every team is clicking around this point. Um, so pretty much just explaining that to all the younger guys, too. Like, there's it's not no free games in the Big 12, so we got to come out and defend our home court, and I know the crowd going to help us with that for sure. So our call of the week is going to involve you twice. Take us through the final minute in Fort Worth on Monday night. It was a neck-and-neck game. We, we, we never really got out to a big lead. They took the lead. It was ugly. It was an offensive struggle. No one's going to use that offensive film as training tape. <laughs> I mean, it was ugly. Jay Will had a rough night. Uh, but take me through the final couple minutes to where, like Wayne said earlier, you kind of relished the opportunity defensively. What You blocked a shot with, what, it was about 40 seconds on the clock, and then you do it again with about five on the clock. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, um, the first one, um, I remember it was ball. Um, well, first of all, it was a lot of chirping going on out there, too. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, yeah so yeah. it was it was getting us all in tune, and we was all turned up. But uh, I'm going to interrupt a real yeah, quick one. Talk about the chirping, and we'll get back to the block. Talk about the uh, chip on your shoulder after TCU whooped us, big boyed us, out-athleted us, whatever you want to call it, yeah. and they took our ball. Like, yeah. They, how much did you guys talk about that in the weeks leading up? To Fort Worth. Yeah, we had the screenshot and everything on everybody's phone. Uh, we sent it in the group chat. Um, yeah, they took our ball after winning the game here. Um, they they uh, thought that was necessary. So uh, we <laughs> we uh, we knew what it was when we went down there. Um, we, we wasn't leaving that gym without their basketball. So uh, we had to get the dub. <laughs> During the game, was that discussed with in the trash talking throughout the, the game? Nah, we ain't never bring it up to them. Um, but we knew what we was going to do after we got the dub. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. I like it. Where is that ball now? Uh, Dewan got it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he going to keep it. PG got it. <laughs> Back to the uh, uh, shockingly, I got off topic uh, while you were telling a story. I interrupted Wayne many, many times, so I apologize. Uh, but go back to the last couple possessions defensively. Uh, yeah. Um, I remember, like, it was the second to last possession when they had the ball. They tried to run, like, a little slip screen. And, um, and it was with KJ's man. They had a big man popping. Um, and we were supposed to switch the slips, but um, I knew he was he was going to go downhill and try to make a play. So KJ um, stopped the ball, made him take a tough shot, and I went up and, and got a little block, but he got it back. Um, so he tried to go up quick again, and instead I was about to block it out of bounds like I did against the Oklahoma State game, but they still had time on the clock. So I just tried to go grab it and get a jump ball, and they ended up giving it to me. So I uh, needed that. And that's what Bill said in his postgame press conference. That's just Kevin making a play, like you said, that wasn't in the in the the mix of what you were supposed to do, but you adapted, took it upon yourself to make a play, and and that's the beauty of the transfer portal, I think, in that we get a senior that is smart, knows what to do. No, you're you're like a coach on the floor, and and you in tandem with Dewan Harris, two of the best defensive players at the same time in the country. And I go back to three, four years ago when Doak and Marcus were like that too. Obviously different because Dewan's not seven <laughs> foot nine monster, but, yeah. but uh, uh, it's a nice one-two punch with you and Dewan. Oh, yeah. No, it's fun playing with him, uh, having him in the backcourt. We could cause some havoc for sure. Well, Kevin, appreciate your time. We're going to take you to break with multiple calls of the week as called by Brian Haney and myself, Monday night at TCU, the third straight road win for these Kansas Jacks, put themselves in a, uh, uh, in, in a, with an opportunity to win the league. It's within our reach. We control our own destiny. You win three in a row, you win the league title, but you got to take care of business tomorrow against West Virginia, and then Tuesday night against your other alma mater, the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Appreciate the time, brother. Go get that, uh, let's go get them tomorrow. This is your call of the week brought to you by the President Hotel. 61-58. Kansas with the lead. Frogs with the ball. Ball on a drive. Blocked from behind by McCuller twice. And then a tie-up. It's going to be KU ball. Maybe the defensive play of the year. He blocked him once. Then he possessed it on the second try. And we get a tie-up. Possession arrow. KU ball.
Hey, Jayhawk fans, this is Greg Gurley here on the Jayhawker podcast. I want to tell you about the President Hotel. Downtown Kansas City just steps away from the Power and Light District and the T-Mobile Center. It will be the official hotel of the Kansas Jayhawks this year for the Big 12 Tournament and all things Kansas City whenever the Jayhawks are in town. Philip Stranod, the GM down there, does an unbelievable job. Give them a call at 816-221-9490. Book their stay and play package, breakfast for two, parking for one vehicle and a welcome gift it's my favorite place i stay there all the time so does wayne fully renovated hotel the drum room is fantastic go down there for my favorite a manhattan on the rocks with a little with a little bullet rye but uh, the president hotel the official hotel of the jayhawker podcast it was late and one of my patients was having trouble sleeping. He was feeling uneasy, he told me. I asked him, is there anything I can do to help? I'm pretty sure he's the only patient ever to ask me to dance at 2 a.m. But sometimes, being the best nurse I can be is just being the best person I can be. Welcome back to the Jay Hawker podcast brought to you by the University of Kansas Health System. That was your call of the week brought to you by the Hilton President Hotel, Wayne and I's favorite hotel, downtown Kansas City, renovated blocks away from the T-Mobile Center, 100 feet away from the power and light. We may or may not frequent the drum room during the Big 12 tournament and hopefully the NCAA tournament a couple weeks after, which you and I will get into here in a bit about the uh, number one seed and the the, where, where, the possibilities of where we could be. But I want to go back to uh, last week, Saturday in Allen Fieldhouse, Baylor Bears kicking us, just beat us down in that first half. It reminded me of the Miami game on a small degree because Miami only had us down six at half. Baylor had us 13 down, but they were making contested shots. Keontae George was making crazy jumpers, 25-footers with the guy in his face, got fouled a couple times. I mean, number one, he's an elite scorer. He's a lottery pick. And I say that because I love the fact that we're down 13. I wasn't really worried. I was I – was, I'd say I was a little worried because <laughs> because they had the they had the three best guards in our league okay. and, and they, they were hitting before. Yeah. and they beaten yeah. us before, but with this team and last year's team, do you ever really worry when we're down a lot? I mean, really, Patrick Mahomes is, has kind of spoiled us uh, in that as well. I was a little bit more concerned. It was a similar barrage of threes and contested scoring like we saw it at Oklahoma State. But the only difference was we didn't get down 18 right. against Oklahoma State. Um, thankfully, this team is veteran enough. Uh, Coach Self is the best in the country. There was plenty of time to, to make an adjustment at halftime, which, which actually happened. Uh, it, was a, it was probably less of a halftime rah-rah speech and more of a legitimate coaching adjustment uh, in that. Let's talk about that adjustment, yeah, yeah. though. Yeah, which is huge because then – we did that same thing against TCU, mm-hmm. and we're likely going to see it the duration of the season, especially when we come up against elite scoring guards. That adjustment being traditionally 
the last several years and even this season, we've switched. Everything. Right? Everything. Yeah. All right. One through four, one through five at times when KJ's there, which allows a team like Baylor to move the ball side to side. They know we're going to switch everything. And the next thing you do, you wait for your matchup and it's take them one on one. It's NBA basketball. It, much, it, yeah. it really is. That's a, it's a game of matchups. And when you have three elite scorers, we have two elite scorers. They have three and maybe one coming off the bench. And they're all, they all can hurt you. And they showed that in the first half. What Bill and his staff did was, was just said, hey, we're not switching everything anymore. And once Dewan and Kevin, the two guys that he trusts the most mm-hmm. defensively, doesn't mean he doesn't trust Jalen, but Jalen's got other duties and that's to score, which he didn't do in that game. He, <laughs> he struggled in that yeah. game, and that's part of the reason we get down 13. When was the last time you saw Jalen Wilson blow two uncontested layups? Those are gimmies, and uh, that's part of the reason we were down. But, but we talk about Bill and how he is the great adjuster, and, and, and he, he's not so stubborn that let's just run my system. You know, we've all been around coaches that are like, hey, it's a system. I don't care if it's a zone play and I call it a man play, just run it. It'll work. Defensively, same thing. He, had, he adjusted. We've seen him in, in NCAA tournament games where he's running a triangle and two, and the other team hasn't noticed. They've admitted they hadn't noticed for like 13 possessions. Yeah. He's great at disguising. He's great at adjusting. And it was a little thing. And, and granted, on the offensive end, we were unreal. I mean, we were so good offensively in that second half. The best – output of scoring as far as a consistent 20 minutes it was even better than the Miami game I think but it had to start on the defensive end because you can come out and be down 13 and turn things on offensively but if you just trade baskets you're going to lose that game and so that adjustment of having hey Juan uh, Kevin hey you're going to stick to Flagler you're going to stick to George you're going to guard them we're not switching I'm putting my two best defenders on their two best offensive guys and we're going to see how this plays out and to your point about Coach Self and his ability to adjust mid-game, we can't undervalue how difficult that is. I mean, there's so many things that you have to think about and consider in real time during the game that it's very difficult to make an adjustment like that. Credit goes also to his assistant coaches right. who are constantly in his ear. Yeah. I believe um, uh, KT had the scout uh, for that yep. game, which also is a credit to Coach Self to trust your assistant coaches. I mean, indeed, you are the Hall of Fame coach. Indeed, your record in Allen Fieldhouse is absolutely ridiculous. But do you have the humility and the trust in the guys you've placed around you from a coaching standpoint that if they whisper in your ear, that if they look at a stat sheet and say, hey, we should change this matchup here, add this player in there, do you have the trust and credibility for your assistants to be able to, to implement that and coach show that to be true? And, and a couple points to what, about what you just talked about. It's continuity and longevity and leadership and age. So Bill Self, Norm Roberts, and KT have been with him for a long time. Jeremy Case as well. Jeremy in his elevated role only a few years. But you look at Joe Dooley. You look at our staff right now. What do they all have in common? They've been around Bill a long time. There's a trust that Bill has. When they, and it's different if you're somewhere else and you got a new guy that wasn't really part of your basketball family in your ear saying, hey, let's go to a triangle in two or whatever. They might be like, no, no, I got this, Jim. Get away from me. And then the other thing is when you decide to do that as a coach and your players 
are seniors or, I mean, Dewan's technically a sophomore. He's got two more years left, but Dewan's been around for four yeah. plus years. Kevin, as a transfer, is like a coach on the floor. Like we just talked to him about Kevin, he Bill can tell him anything defensively. And he's like, got it. Yeah, no problem. I got it. But if you tell, and this isn't a knock on Zuby or Ernest or MJ or oh, they're young, they don't know. They're they don't young. Know. They don't know. I mean, if Bill tells that to MJ, he's going to be like, I don't know what you're talking about. And so, I mean, he knows what he's talking about and he knows the concept of it, but can he actually execute it? So longevity and continuity and having guys that are in your program for three or four years makes Bill that much better of an adjuster. Well, it's really one of the things that allows a team or a program that loses over 70% of their scoring for last year to make up ground and still be one of the top teams in the country competing for a conference championship on its track to uh, another number one seed, possibly the overall number one seed, is because of those little things like that. And we'll get to that talk in a minute, but let's stay on the game front. Kansas goes on to outscore Baylor in that second half by, what was it, 30-something, maybe 30 points. Uh, uh, Just a monumental victory. It was fun. It was not fun in the first half. At halftime, we all go to the bathroom, whatever. We're all sitting there like, huh, what just happened? <laughs> the onslaught. But I think Bill and his staff and, and these teams have proved that there's nothing that is out of their reach to come back. And it could be a dangerous thing to think that you can just flip a switch because sometimes you get in the tournament, you can't flip that switch. Mm-hmm. And true. you go 2 of 23 from the three-point line. I, I experienced that. My final game as a senior, we lose to Virginia. We're the number one seed. We, we, we shoot it horribly. They shoot it well. And you think you're good enough to flip that switch. So you got to be careful because we are spoiled. We're extremely spoiled. We Down by 15 in the national championship game. Three or four years before, we're down 14 with under three minutes to go to West Virginia. We come back. Earlier this year, I mean, we've, we've had so many amazing comebacks. We just have to be careful that we don't just think, ah, it's fine. You know, we can, we can uh, kind of lollygag around and get down by double digits and turn it on. At, at some point, that's going to stop. Well, one of the things that, that Coach Self and his teams really pride themselves on is not relying on offensive output to be the only determining factor for winning a game. They take as much pride and emphasis on making other teams play bad Mm -hmm. in order to uh, bring home the victory because that's what you need, particularly in March. You can't go on a six-game run in March expecting the ball to go in at a high clip every single game. And when you think about the last two games we've played, even the Baylor game, as much as that felt like a high-firepower game, uh, or at least a tale of two halves, we held Baylor, one of the highest scoring offenses in the league, to under 65 points. And what did that do to Baylor? Baylor needed the ball to go in to energize yeah. them in other areas on the court. That's great and in the point. second half, you could see their body language, both on the court and in the huddles, that when the ball wasn't going in, guys got frustrated, they, defeated. they got divisive, they got defeated, and they weren't able to defend in a way that kept the Jayhawks at bay. Uh, even thinking about the TCU game is, you know, like we do like we always do on Saturdays. Of course, we're watching the Jayhawks, but what else are we doing? We're watching every other matchup that's happening. Especially in February. Of, of yeah. course, of course. 
during uh, the conference play. When I saw that TCU scored 100 points yeah. on Saturday, I'm thinking in my mind, there's no way we're going to lose that game yeah. on Monday night because there's no way we're going to let them score at that capacity. And what do we do on Tuesday? Same thing. We held them to under 65 points and, and muddied the game up. Well, and in your point, you brought up a very good thing. It's something that Bill Self loves to have happen. If we don't play well, that's fine offensively. I think he actually likes it better that he way. He kind of does. It's, it's weird. But, he, I think he, but what he wants to do is make them play worse. And, and that leads us into the TCU game. Like we talked about with Kevin, that wasn't a very pretty game. That was ugly. I was there. It was open shot after open shot missed. Gives some credit to the defense, but it was also just, I don't know if it was tired legs or what. It was an ugly offensive game. Now, Kansas made more plays on both ends of the floor, but that epitomized the type of game that he likes when the I mean, he likes it when you're playing good offensively and defensively, but he also likes it when you're not playing good offensively and you make the other team play Still worse. Find a way to win. That's yep. the prime example of what happened on Monday. They got guys. They got athletes. We saw that when they came here. They beat us by 23, and we made them play bad in their own house. Yeah, we certainly did. And, uh, you know, I want to talk a little bit about, about Jalen in those, those last two games because – uh, we've become accustomed to seeing him score at a high clip, and, and we're going to need him to at times, you know, throughout the, the rest of this stretch. But one of the things that I really appreciate about him is that even when he seems to be laboring offensively, he's still going to be our leading rebounder, and he can still be counted on to have big-time plays at the end. Yeah. Whether it's knocking down free throws, had a massive and one. Yep. In Fort Worth, um, still wants the yeah, ball, still boards. plays with confidence. Um, and so, you know, we've seen a lot of guys that, you know, hang their hat on scoring that when they get off to a bad start or maybe they're laboring to score that it really affects other areas of their game. I really appreciate Jalen's maturity and being able to work past that and find ways to impact the game, especially at game point like we saw these last two games. Well, the other thing that's the common denominator in all this – Dalen's been around for four years, yeah. you know, and Grady hasn't, but he's got a guy like Jalen Wilson. He's got a guy like Kevin McCullough. He's got a guy like Dewan Harris. I, I, we talk about it every week in, in this Jayhawker podcast. Getting old and staying old is, 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 a, is a very difficult thing, and we've been very fortunate. Uh, I saw a, a deal on social media the other day, and it showed, uh, you know, it was, it was highlighting Dewan Harris. It went – Devontae Graham, Appalachian State. Frank Mason, Towson State. Dewan Harris, Missouri State. Those are three guys that were going elsewhere and decided to, after things happened at whatever institution they thought they were going to happen, they came here. And the development of this staff of guys like that, Devontae Graham, or let's go back to Frank Mason, National Player of the Year. Devontae Graham, Big 12 Player of the Year, All-American. Dewan Harris isn't going to be an All-American, but... Where would we be without him? As impactful of a point guard as we've ever had in program history. And that's not saying that Bill's not going to go out and recruit the number one point guard in the country. we got one of them coming in next year with El Marco, who our fans are going to fall in love with. But it's the ability to take, I guess you'd call them quote-unquote fringe guys because they're going to those places and yeah. off the radar, not McDonald's, all Americans. not They don't play at all the big-time places. They're just, they just play at a high school, and maybe they didn't get exposed as much. But we need to talk more about 
our, our the development of our guards by our staff. Yeah, and they've done a, a, a phenomenal job, particularly at the point guard position for the names you just mentioned, at other positions as well. One of the things that I think has served all three of those guys well is their patience. Yeah. Uh, none of them were coming in with the expectation or the demand of, I need to be a starter. Yeah. Usually when they come in, they get a chance to play behind an established seasoned point guard and kind of learn the ropes, earn their way, build trust and credibility. And I think that's that served our program extremely well uh, because we've had guys uh, of that makeup. And it takes both, right? It takes our coaching staff having a system and a skill of being able to develop talent, but it also takes a kid coming in that has the mentality, the patience, the humility to say, hey, I'm going to wait my turn. I'm going to learn. I'm going to develop. And then when it's my time to shine, I'm going to rise to the occasion. I, I say it all the time when I talk to groups, patience is the key word there. And kids – parents, AAU coaches, nobody seems to have patience anymore because if things aren't going well, Bill was talking to a group last night and he was talking to, he, he, he compared it to a class. Like, oh, I'm getting a bad grade. I'll just drop it, you know, or things happen not my way. I'll just quit. Like, what are we teaching? You know, we're, we're, we're hey, I didn't, I didn't start as a freshman and I averaged 32 points a game in high school. I was an All-American. How could this be? Well, there's a guy in front of you that's better. And in the old days, what happened? You're like, All right, I'm gonna, I'm going to work my butt off, and I'm going to be better than this guy next year. Or I'm going to be his equal. Or I'm going to be right there. Devontae had the ability to play behind and with Frank Mason. Uh, Dewan Harris had the opportunity to play behind and with Devon Dotson. And, and you brought up a great point of, of your mentor and the ability to kind of play behind somebody and watch. And, and we're going to have some situations at the end of this year with our guys that aren't playing much, and they're going to have to decide, all right, there's going to be a lot of guys leaving. We just heard Kevin. He's going to – he said he's going to – I don't know if that's breaking news or not. <laughs> he's going he's gonna to speak on senior night. I mean, I don't know what the deal will be with Jalen Wilson, but I think we're all pretty sure he's. there's going to be a lot of guys that, that depart, meaning we're going to have to get a lot of guys. So it, it'll be a, a, a topic for another show uh, probably after the season about who looks at it and says, all right, no Jalen Wilson, no Grady Dick, no Kevin McCuller. That would tell me that I have a great opportunity to play. Yeah. And if I've been here a year or two, why would I leave? And so just a, just a little nugget, a little plant a seed there. Yeah, no, for sure. And it was great to be able to see a guy, to your point, like a K.J. Adams, who had that opportunity, right? You know, played sparingly, played meaningful minutes for us, won some games for us. Many Meaningful uh, seconds. Come, come, yeah, yeah, at times <laughs> meaningful <laughs> seconds uh, coming off the bench. And then he had, you know, some time to yeah. think about, hey, what do I want to do? I see McDonald's All-Americans coming in behind me and, you know, Ernest, and I see Zuby coming in at my position that's a similar build and a similar skill set. Do I get insecure and patient and look for greener pastures, or do I double down on buy-in and work ethic uh, to be able to try to elevate my position? And do you put earplugs in? Yeah. Do you put earplugs in? Because yeah. a big the part noise. of this yeah, is the noise. And it's your, your boys from high school. It's your parents. It's your AU And he's coach. got phenomenal parents, by the way. Oh, K.J. Adams, uh, you and I are around Kevin and Yvonne. All, they're the best. 
and 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 KJ's mom's obviously going through a tough time. I walked into the the TCU game with her, and, and she's a, she's so she's great. She's a saint, and uh, uh, KJ has so much on his mind. You know, from the from August when the naysayers are like, "Hey, you're not big enough. We're going to start him, him, or him." What has KJ done? He's proved everybody wrong. He's having a phenomenal year. The jump, ridiculous. I mean, he, he's so athletic, continues to get better. He's added a little mid-range jump shot to his game. But we talk about noise. It takes great parents. It takes, takes great support staff. I mean, I, 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 you can't uh, – Kevin just talked about, you know, his dad. His dad was such a big – is a big part of his life and how he, he toughened him up. And it's not – you're not being tough when you just leave and you just quit. It's going to happen. We know it's going to happen, but uh, for for another show. Yeah. But let's let's get it. Or go ahead. Yeah. No, I was getting ready to say. Well, something that you know could possibly happen as we segue to another topic. Something that you and I really wanted to discuss yeah. today is the potential of yet another one seed. Crazy. Um, again, we're spoiled because that's a, a a regular occurrence here for us, but. The importance of that, and I know we're several games out and there are a lot of different variables and dominoes that could fall, but this is a time of year where you start to think about those things and every game leading up to Selection Sunday has a bearing on what seating is and, and where people are going to play. I and so, I don't know what's, about your, you. what's your assessment? What's your general assessment on Number that? Number one, I don't know about you, but I don't really worry about the polls until about March 1st, which is coming up. And because I don't, you know, preseason I don't care about. December, I don't really care about because, you know, we look around the country and teams are 13 and 0 and they haven't played anybody that, you know, has less than four names in their title. All, 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 you know, not all of them. I got a few K State friends and, you know, Texas friends and things like that. And of course, when it's going well for them, they'll, they'll call and they'll oh, chirp or whatever. So I remember in January when <laughs> K State and a couple teams are ranked ahead of us and they're like, hey, blah, 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 they're chirping. I'm like, okay, wait, I know this is new for you guys. Yeah. Uh, but, hey, let, like, let's understand that rankings in January, in early February, eh, eh, not, that, not that meaningful. But to your point, now is when that type of stuff yeah. uh, really starts to come into now play. Now that they do it like the college football playoffs where they do an actual ranking by the committee midseason, mm-hmm. I like that because then you can say, okay, what is it, Houston, Kansas, uh, Purdue, Purdue, and Alabama. Uh, Alabama. Uh, so – which makes sense. I watched Alabama the other night. I mean, Brandon Miller is a freak. He's a he's a Kevin Durant type guy. I mean, they they got athletes everywhere now. They're kind of new to this, and they're well coached. Nate Oates is a phenomenal coach, and they're kind of new to this arena as far as a top five program. So we'll see how that goes. But but it's not new to us. It's not new to Bill Self. The amount of, I should have these stats. I don't. But but the amount of number one seed seeds in twenty years. Is ridiculous. Well, the fact that it hasn't been anything less than a three seed is is equally as impressive. The but. consistency is nuts, and you know, we, we you and I try not to build him up too much because we know how big his head can get. You know, where he just takes all the accolades. <laughs> I'm kidding. No. Not true. Not true. But he, he just does it, and we do take it for granted. Our entire fan base takes it for granted. I mean, I'm trying to think the in the last. Ten years is probably that year that we went to Salt Lake City, lost to Auburn. That was probably our our uh, our lowest 
ranking, which I think we were a we might have been a four, maybe it was a three, but that that was a team of Diedrich Lawson and Devon and all that. But you back that up the next year, we're the best team in the country. So if if we're down, quote unquote down, we're not down for very long. And if, if down means a four seed, when other schools like us sometimes don't make the tournament, we're we're upset about a four seed yeah. or three seed. Yeah. And you think about it, look, with the overall one seed, you get a chance to choose your region. Correct. Correct? Yes. So it's looking like we're going to be headed to Des Moines. If it were up to us to where we would choose our region, and the four regions are Kansas City, Louisville, Vegas, New York City. Correct. We could potentially have four home games. The way that our fan base travels, Des Moines, Iowa, three hours, three hours. that's a layup for our fan base. Kansas City well-versed, maybe a little bit chip on our shoulder for coming up a little bit short against Oregon a few oh. years ago, but obviously we got the conference tournament there, short drive down the road. Comfort. Home games. Um, that's very, very meaningful. And then also you're going to have other potential schools that if they get the overall number one seed, they actually want that very same region. Purdue would love to be in yeah. Kansas City. Houston would love to be in Kansas City. Uh, Alabama would probably go to Louisville. Purdue right. might be more Louisville. Maybe Louisville? Maybe. Okay. Maybe. That's the thing. If you're the number one overall seed, like Wayne said, you have that ch- chance. They, they ask you the week before or whatever. Mm-hmm. If you're the number one overall seed, depending on what happens in your conference tournament, where do you want to go for the Sweet 16 if you're there? And they'll say, I want to go to Louisville, Kansas City, Vegas, or New York. So if it is Purdue, if it is Houston, and they choose Kansas City, and it actually plays out that way, we could – go to Vegas, we could go to New York. So there's a lot of ifs, ands, and buts. It is what it is. Uh, I think if we had our uh, wishes, we'd say Kansas City. Yeah, if we take care of business and we went out and win the league and, you know, have a good showing in Kansas City, it's, it's hard to believe because, of course, a part of that factoring equation is not only rankings, but, and this is another thing that we – got to talk about is the amount of quad one wins that we have. I mean, I know that metrics has only been 14 in play for, you know, what, four years, three out of the four, we've led that category. But and you, and you say it like it's a, it's a big deal to it's the a committee big deal, big deal. Uh, I don't bag on North Carolina, but zero quad one wins. The 14, which is why they're probably the last four looking in right now. Yeah. They play at Virginia this weekend coming off. Of Virginia lost uh, uh, the other day at Boston College, which they're, I think they're fifth or sixth. They were kind of fighting for one of those number one seeds. So they're going to be a pissed off bunch Saturday with Carolina coming. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the, 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 the seeding is something we talk about now because it's essentially March. This time of taping, we're a day before the, the West Virginia game on Saturday, and then we back that up with a Tuesday game against Texas Tech. And Texas Tech, for as bad as they well, – I say it, not as bad as they were because they weren't bad. They were just losing games. And they have 10 losses in the league, and they're a good basketball team. They're healthy. Uh, they can come in here and beat us. And I guarantee you that's what Bill Self is telling his guys right now. Everybody's saying, oh, yeah. Back-to-back home games, you're tied for the lead. Texas plays at Baylor and at TCU before they get us at home. Much more difficult schedule, but it doesn't mean anything if we don't take care of business this weekend and on Tuesday. Yeah, it's true. Both of these teams are a legitimate threat. Um, 
inside the field house, outside the field house, wherever it is, we've seen them uh, upset some teams. They're playing their best basketball right now. Um, and also, you know, you think about uh, finishing out against Texas Tech. As great as senior night is, as great as the last home game of the year in, 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 in Allen Fieldhouse, um, you can't let that distract you from the task at hand in winning that very, very important basketball game. Uh, I've never been around it. I'm not even sure when the last time it was that happened, but senior night is less meaningful if you don't take care of business. Uh, but at the same time, there are a lot of distractions, right? You think about the pageantry around it, uh, the seniors or the guys that aren't coming back, their ticket lists are swollen, you got family in town, you got to think about your speech, you got, you know, you're looking at the conference race and different things like that. It's going to be as important as ever this last stretch, even at home, for these guys to be locked in and focused on, on winning first. And the speeches deal is way different now because of COVID. Like, so many guys have more years, and it's a question that upstairs, how they're going to, hey, you can talk, you can talk, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah, who's coming? Who's, who's coming? Who's staying? Like, yeah. we could have seven guys. I don't know if it's seven. We, we could have a lot of guys speaking on uh, senior night that are like, I mean, Jalen Wilson is technically a sophomore. Kevin McCuller, if you look at it in the old way where you, you play four years, J Kevin McCuller's got another year. Joe Yesfu has another year. Cam Martin has another year. All these guys have other years, but it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. We can't look at s rosters anymore. When we, like when we play West Virginia tomorrow, I look, oh, who will they have back? I have no idea. Is Tim Jankovic a, a senior? Uh, Michael Jankovic. Michael, I'm sorry, Michael. Yeah. Uh, he is, but I believe Jank is coming back. Okay. This is his fourth year, but you have that COVID year, and I think – I think Michael's coming back. And he's great, by the way. Son of Tim Jankovic, who yeah. was one of my coaches, one of the great assistant coaches here. But Most but recently the coach at SMU. SMU. Yeah, yeah. But Michael is phenomenal. Consummate teammate. Loves this place. Probably the best shooter on our team. As crazy as that sounds. Probably, probably would, Grady. It would not be a blowout. It, no. it would not be an easy win for Grady. And uncontested threes. Tat. Michael yeah. Jankovic. Many a days has he given the starters problems uh, being, being on the scout team. Uh, and so he doesn't nearly get enough credit, as most of those walk-on guys or guys that are on the scout team don't get. Uh, but big, big shout-out to him, whether he comes back or goes or has a senior night or whatever. One other thing I want to discuss before we go is uh, I got in a little uh, uh, text battle, I guess, with Fran Fraschilla on uh, Tuesday night. They mentioned the coach of the year in the Big 12. And uh, the names that were brought up were Jerome Tang, Rodney Terry, and TJ Otzelberger. 100% candidates. I said to him, I go, hey, I'm not trying to be a homer, but it's exactly what I'm doing, being a homer. You got to apologize for that, be a homer. I said, 70% um, of scoring gone from a national championship team. Bunch of new guys. Bill Self has them back at 23 and 5, possible one seed. And, and again, I'll go through each of those three guys and talk about how good a job they've done. TJ Otzelberger, great. Had a great year last year, is having a great year this year, but they're, they're in the mix. They're mid, mid range in the Big 12. That, that, that one, I, I would definitely put third of those three. Jerome Tang, monumental turnaround. They get rid of Bruce Weber, they hire Jerome Tang. Two scholarship players back from the Bruce Weber era. I think that was to their advantage, though, but we can talk about oh, that later. Oh, I agree. 
was 100% to their advantage. But he did the job in the transfer portal, got the right guys, got them to play hard, play together, chemistry. And no question Jerome Tang should, should be in the mix. And then Rodney Terry, he takes over a program that he, he was just an assistant coach in August. And then all the stuff happens with Chris Beard, done an amazing job with Texas, also well-deserving of that honor. But Phil Jackson, during all the runs with the Bulls and the Lakers, didn't win a lot of Coach of the Years either, and he was the best coach in the NBA. Mike Krzyzewski at Duke. So I, I get all that, and it's and I'm not trying to – it's not like Bill needs another trophy. We see the pictures upstairs. He's got 100 of them. But I would at least like him mentioned – for the job that he's done as you and I go around the country and we talk to That's other fair. broadcasters and other coaches, they look at us and what they say, they go, what Bill Self is doing <laughs> is amazing. I won't argue that. I probably actually like better that you fired back at Fran than, uh, than maybe help the argument. Uh, you know what he said? Anything. He goes, he goes, good point. I'll say something in the second half is what he, <laughs> what he responded. And I go, thanks. Um, yeah. And, and again, not only that, but we weren't picked to win the league. Uh, right. And one of the things that I, I think needs to be factored in to a coach of the year in conference is, is your team playing its best basketball when the stakes are the highest? The two names that you mentioned, T.J. Osselberger and Jerome Tang, I think that those programs were playing their best basketball in the middle of the season kind of slipping between their fingers right now. It's not to say they won't have a great opportunity yeah. in Kansas City. It's not saying they, they might not make the – Some people have K-State as a two – Sure, make the Sweet 16, you know, or a big or a big type of run like that. But it one, comes to conference coach of the year. Um, I think that should be that should be factored, factored in yeah. as well. And, and I say all that doesn't really matter. It's kind of like your kid's giving you a world's greatest dad coffee mug, <laughs> whatever. Like, that's how Bill would look at it. He's not a big awards guy, but you and I can bang the drum for him a little bit and he'll tell us to shut up and all that. But I think it needs to be said, what he's doing is unprecedented. The consistency, his 20th year, there's nothing like it. Yeah. There well, really I mean, to, to me, it, it has less to do with, with being a homer or you know, banging a drum. But it's a competition, just like anything else. And competitors like you and I, like Coach Self, want to win and want to win everything. And so that's certainly a category that, uh, that you want to be not only considered for when you have the body of work that we just described, uh, but also you want to bring, bring home that, that title because that affects your legacy. It affects recruiting. It's actually a compliment to your assistant coaches. Mm-hmm. There's no assistant coach of the year, but you know what? It gives credit to those types of guys. It gives credit to guys like Juan and KJ and Jalen, who are your an extension of you on the court. And so something like that to bring in an award home uh, isn't, isn't trite by, by any stretch of the imagination. Well, to set the stage tomorrow, 3 o'clock against West Virginia, uh, at 1 o'clock, we're going to kind of be scoreboard watchers or TV watchers as Texas plays at Baylor. There'll be a lot of fans in this building rooting for the Baylor Bears. I don't think they'll ever admit it, but we'll, we'll do a little scoreboard watching. That doesn't seal anything if they lose and we win. If Texas loses and we win, still have two more games to go, but uh, I'd like our chances at that point. So West Virginia tomorrow, 
Texas Tech on Tuesday. Then we go on the road to close out the Big 12 season in Austin. I'm looking forward to seeing that new arena. I think it's called Moody. Uh, seats about 12,000. Supposed to be awesome. So looking forward to that. It might be our might be our one and only time playing in it because yeah. next year with the inbound schedule, uh, we may not be back there, but Austin's one of my favorite cities. So I'll have a good time down there, and hopefully we come out with a win. But uh, big uh, nine days for us, really, eight, eight nine days for us. And uh, looking forward to all of it as we look at all Kansas athletics. Baseball coach Fitz gets off to a good start last week in Corpus Christi, wins a series against Valparaiso. Wins two games, loses one. Men's golf out in Palm Springs. Just talked to Jamie Bermel this morning. Not the type of finish they really wanted, but they're out there uh, uh, qualifying today for their next tournament. Um, what else we got? Women's yeah. basketball on Sunday against Oklahoma State. Back-to-back yep. -back home games Sunday and Wednesday. They've hit a bit of a, of a valley right now, but have every opportunity with a couple of home games yeah, coming gotta up. Got to get healthy, too. Got to get healthy. Uh, but – a lot of things going on, uh, sneaking up on March, which is our favorite time of the year. Uh, last year was a blur. This entire year has been a blur. How much fun did you and I have on the road following the Jayhawks around? So uh, hopefully it's at Des Moines, Kansas City, Houston run. We'll do our little coffee talks. Hey, let's run it back. Let's, let's run it back. So this is the Jayhawker podcast. I'd like to recognize uh, the Hilton President Hotel and the University of Kansas Health System, great sponsors of ours, and uh, ever-growing Jayhawker podcast. Nice work, buddy. Another one down. We'll see you Saturday, tomorrow afternoon, 3 o'clock, in the fog, West Virginia, Jayhawker podcast, brought to you by the University of Kansas Health System. Rock chop. <laughs>